Hey, we're Phil and Meredith, and we're the pastors here at Cornerstone Church, and we are so glad that you are here with us today. It's our prayer that this message is an inspiration to you, that it builds you up, that it stirs your faith right now in your today, as well as in the days to come. We believe that God has great things for you. God bless you. Last week, we kicked off our conversation talking about prayer, and my wife started the conversation by talking about what it means to pray bold, audacious prayers. We're talking about really specific prayers, not just prayers like, God bless me, God help me. Those are good prayers to pray, but we're talking about specific prayers. We're talking about prayers that you know if they've been answered or not. I'm talking about these kinds of prayers that are bold, that are specific, that are full of faith, that are audacious, and these are the prayers that God has called us to pray. And today, we're continuing the conversation talking about how we hear from God, because all healthy conversations involve a little bit of talking and a little bit of hearing. And so today, we're going to be talking about hearing from God, hearing about God, hearing about how God can speak to us and through us. And then we're going to continue talking about prayer and praying as we finish out this year together. Meredith already talked about the first 10 days of the last three months that we're going to be dedicating corporately to prayer. And I'm so excited about that as we continue leading, leaning into his presence. It's going to be such a great time together. And when I think about hearing the voice of God, I think about the story of Samuel. If you have your Bible with you, let's open up our Bibles together to read from 1 Samuel chapter 3. If you don't have your Bible with you, you can download one on your phone or you can follow along on the screen here, whatever is most convenient for you. But we're going to be reading from 1 Samuel chapter 3. And starting in verse number 1, it reads like this. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, he was going blind, he was lying in his usual place. I find it funny how it says he was lying in his usual place. It doesn't say it here, but we know through reading other scriptures about Eli that Eli was not a slim dude. Eli was... um, He was on the larger side, and so when it says that Eli was lying in his usual place, it makes me think that that's just a funny way of saying that Eli did a whole lot of laying around, that he was uh, a larger guy, that he ate too much food, he overindulged in himself, he had an issue with gluttony, and he was lying in his usual place. It says this in verse number three, "The the lamp of God had not yet run out. It had not gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli. And Eli said, oh, and he said, here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli again and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lay down. And if you are a parent of young children, you know what it's like to be woken up in the middle of the night for no reason at all. So I feel for Eli at this point because he's been woken up now two times by Samuel for absolutely no reason because he had no interaction with Samuel. It says this in verse 7, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. 
A third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli again, and he said, here I am, you called me. And by now, Eli could have gotten pretty irritated, right? He could have got frustrated. He could have thrown something. He could have sent Samuel back out. But instead, he stops to think about what's going on, and he responds like this. It says, Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And verse 10 says, the Lord came and stood there calling, as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Cornerstone Church that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. Come on, sometimes you've just got to read yourself into Scripture. I know that it says that he said that something was about to happen in Israel, but sometimes you've got to put yourself in Scripture. Sometimes you've got to say that God is getting ready to do something through Phil Ryburn that is going to make the ears of everybody who hears about it tingle. Put yourself into Scripture. God is getting ready to do something through your life that is going to make the ears of everybody who hears about it tingle. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that we can speak to you at any time. We're thankful that you are available, and we're thankful that you speak to us. We ask that you would speak to us clearly and plainly today. We know that this is good, good soil. We are ready and receptive to hear you speak, to hear you move today, God. We're hungry for your presence. And so, God, we just ask that you would honor us today with your presence and with your words, and we will act accordingly when we hear you speak. And it's in your son's name that we've all prayed. Amen? Amen. Has anybody here, by show of hands, ever been to another country? Have you ever been to another country? Awesome. Have you ever been to another country that spoke a different language? Put your hand up. Okay, have you ever been to another country that spoke a different language that you did not speak? Okay. So that was me when I went to Peru. I was 20 years old. I had decided to defer my studies for one semester, and I decided to jump on a plane and head to Peru. I didn't speak a word of Spanish. I don't know why I decided to land on Peru or fly to Peru, but I decided that I would go to a Spanish-speaking country, to a place specifically that didn't speak any English, and I would go there speaking no Spanish. And this is before the days of when you would have a phone, like a smartphone that you could speak into and it would translate automatically for you. But I jumped on a plane and I went to the other side of the world because at 20 years old, Honest to God, for the very first time, I had this realization that the people that you see on TV on the other side of the world, that they are real people. I had grown up in a fairly privileged environment on the sunny beaches of Sydney, Australia, and for the very first time, I realized at 20 years old, these are real people that I can go and meet. These are real people that I can go and speak to, that I can go and learn from. And so at 20, I packed my bags and I flew to Peru and I spent a few months high up in the Andes in a traditional community that spoke just about no English and I spoke just about no Spanish. And I got by for the first couple of days with some really simple language like si and claro and uh, si entiendo, which just means I understand, even though very clearly I did not understand what people were saying. 
But when you nod and you smile really big, then you can usually get away with the conversation, at least for a couple of days, right? You might have been in a conversation with someone before, and you know that they can't understand what you're saying, but they keep on nodding and smiling really big, right? You might have had these conversations with people before, but it only lasted for a couple of days like that. And then very quickly, people realized, this dude has no idea what's going on. He is absolutely clueless, doesn't speak the language. And what I realized at that time was that people stopped speaking to me as freely as they were. And conversations started to dry up, that people wouldn't approach me to have conversation anymore until I had invested in myself to learn the language. And so the conversation ceased because there was some interruption in our conversation. And that makes me think about what is going on here in the story of Eli that we just read about with Samuel. We are deep in the time of the judges in the Old Testament, and we're not yet in the kings, we're not yet learning about King David and the way that he has united the tribes into that kingdom where before then in the judges, and what scripture says about the judges is that it was dark days, that everybody did what was right in their own eyes, which in translation means that everybody spoke their own truth, that everybody did their own thing, that everybody did what was right in their own eyes, that there was no absolute truth that people were living by. And so it was a dark time because God was not speaking clearly. God was not speaking to Eli, and Eli was one of the last judges of this time. God was not speaking to Eli. God was not speaking to Eli's sons, and God had just started speaking to Samuel. And let me tell you why. Samuel was born in prayer. We learn about this, about Samuel, that his mother, Hannah, was barren, that she wasn't able to have children. And so she was embarrassed by that fact. She was frustrated by that fact. She was hurt. She was distraught by the fact that she couldn't have children. And so she goes to the tabernacle one day. She's praying, and Eli sees her, and Eli hears her praying and pleading for a child. And Eli blesses her and says, the next time that you come back, you will come back and have a child. And so then, sure enough, Hannah leaves, and she comes back, and the child that she has is Samuel. Samuel is literally born in prayer. He is literally born by the prayer of a mother. How many know the power of a praying mother? The power of a praying grandmother is a powerful thing, amen? And so Samuel is literally born in prayer. And here's the thing that I know about prayer, that God's presence is attracted to prayer, God's presence is attracted to prayer, and the way to God's presence is through prayer. Presence was all over Samuel from a young age. From before he was even born, God's presence was all around him. And even from when he was at a young age, he was sleeping in the tabernacle. And scholars have different beliefs about why Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle, some of them would say so that he could be a guard in the evening to make sure that anybody who came to try and steal things from the tabernacle, that he could raise an alarm. Samuel was like an ancient alarm system to make sure that nobody would steal anything from the tabernacle. Other scholars believe that Samuel was in there to make sure that the lamps were always filled with oil so that the lamps would never run out. But regardless of the reason for why Samuel was sleeping every single night in the tabernacle, 
The byproduct was the fact that Samuel was always surrounded by the presence of God. If you don't know, the Old Testament, God confined himself into the tabernacle. God confined himself into the temple. And before, this is before New Testament, like we enjoy the presence of God on the inside of us today. This is in the Old Testament where God confined himself and Samuel had the privilege of sleeping on the inside of the tabernacle, which meant that every day he woke up looking more like God, which meant that every day he was wrapped up in the goodness of God. Every day he looked more like him. And that is my prayer for us as a church, that we are fully surrounded by the glory of God, that we are always enjoying the manifestation of the presence of God, that every day that we wake up, that we look more like God than the night before because God has visited us in our dreams, because God has been resting his presence upon us. That is my prayer for us as a church. But here during these times, in the book of 1 Samuel, we see that the word of the Lord was rare. And when God started speaking to Samuel, Samuel thought, this sounds like Eli. And so every time God called Samuel, Samuel would run to Eli because it says that God's voice had not yet been revealed to Eli. And so Samuel thought, this sounds like Eli is speaking. Isn't it funny how when you don't know the voice of God, God's voice sounds like the spiritual leaders that are in your life. If you are someone who hasn't yet started hearing the voice of God for yourself, I wanna encourage you in this, that the voice of God often sounds like the spiritual men and women that you have in your life. This might be your parents. This might be your life group leaders. This might be your pastors. But God often sounds like the voice of the spiritual leaders that are in your life. And we find this is to be true for Samuel. Now, you might not want to hear that because everybody wants to have their own relationship with God, right? Everybody wants to hear God directly for themselves. And I truly believe that God does this. I believe that God can and does speak to all of us clearly and plainly. But initially... What I believe is that God's voice often sounds like the voice of our leaders, and it is when we honor that that God starts to speak to us directly. I get nervous when I hear people who have no spiritual depth, that have no spiritual length of their walk in life with Christ starting to tell me, I hear God all the time. I hear God tell me this. I hear God speak to me in this way. I heard God say this, and therefore I'm going to do this. Or biblically speaking, this is the right way for me to do something. I get nervous about it. Because it only takes a question or two to that person to realize that there's no verification. There's no way that you can really verify what the person is saying. And often what I find when people say those kinds of things is that this is what they want to do, and they're just dropping God's name on that thing. And so it sounds good to say, God told me to do this, but in reality, it's just I want to do this, and I'm dropping God's name on that because now it is the ultimate trump card that you can't question me out of, right? But often, God's voice initially sounds like the voice of our leaders. And when we honor that, then God in turn honors that by speaking to us directly. And I believe that God honored that for Samuel, and Samuel honored that for God. We see this 
in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19, it says, The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. Isn't that an incredible picture? Isn't that an amazing description that none of Samuel's words fell to the ground? That every word that Samuel prayed, God heard it and he responded to. Isn't that the kind of prayer life that you would ask for? That none of your words would fall to the ground. That God would hear and honor every prayer that you prayed. The Bible also says this in 1 Samuel 7, 13. It says, The hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. All the days of Samuel. Some people are defined by their days, and some days are defined by their people. Let me say that again. Some people are defined by their days, and some days are defined by their people. Wouldn't it be an amazing thing if in a decade we look back at 2020 and instead of seeing all the negativity, all the division, all the hate, all the ugliness, all the pain, all the frustration, instead of seeing all of that in a decade's time when we look back, wouldn't it be remarkable to look back and see the way that God had moved? Wouldn't it be remarkable to know that God had moved through an individual during this time, that God had moved through a community during this time? Isn't that your prayer, that God would move in 2020 and that you would look back in a decade and know that God has moved during that time? And I don't know about you, but I refuse to be defined by my days. Samuel was not defined by his days. He defined his days so that in the history books, it says that the Philistines would not, would not win against Samuel all the days that he was alive. The days of Samuel defined the days that he was in. And me, myself, I refuse to be defined by the days that I'm in. My children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren are not going to learn about the fact that Phil Ryburn lived during the days of COVID. They won't learn about the fact that Phil Ryburn lived during the days of the GFC and everything else that is going to come. They are going to learn about the fact of the great exploits of God that took place during the days that Phil was alive. And I encourage you to make those prayers your own to not be defined by your days, but to define the days that you are living in. Okay, um, I need some help real quick. I need a, a chair. I think we've got one over here. I wanna explain something. I wanna show this by way of demonstration. These are essentially um, the ways that we can prepare. Right here is great, thank you, Andrew. These are, did someone just put their hands together to clap for Andrew? Could you clap your hands for Andrew? Andrew is single, by the way. If, um, if you are as well, you'll be available right down here after service. So I want to illustrate something really quick. The, this is what I call the five B's of preparation. This is how you can prepare yourself to hear from God, okay? Because we know that Samuel had a profound relationship where he was able to speak to and hear from God on a regular basis. And so these are the things that we can learn about Samuel and how he was able to hear from God on a regular basis. The first one, the first B, is to be expectant. I would say just about everybody is sitting down in a chair right now. I apologize if I've got my back to you over here, but this is just for the purpose of illustration. Just about everybody is sitting down in their chair right now. Whether you are here in the room, whether you're joining online, if you're listening to this on a podcast later and you're running down the street, then God bless you. But everybody else is sitting down right now in a chair. 
And I wonder about what your posture is like. Are you leaned back? Are you relaxed? Everybody's checking themselves right now and the people that are around you as well. Are you relaxed? Are you comfortable? Or are you leaned in? Are you expectant? Are you full of anticipation, waiting and ready for God to move? Because your physical posture often displays and demonstrates what your spiritual life is like. If you're leaned back in services kind of like this, I wonder what your spiritual life looks like. Because I would believe that when you go into your prayer life that you're probably always expecting to speak to God and not hear from God. If you are sitting on the edge of your chair full of expectation, full of anticipation, believing that God is gonna speak to you today, believing that you will see God move, then I believe that expectancy places a demand on God to pull some of heaven out of, pull some heaven down to earth, and I believe that we will see God move, amen? Check your expectancy. This is to do with your mental expectancy, to do with your spiritual expectancy. That's the first one. Be expectant. The second one, be humble. Have you ever noticed that the proud people in your life, the people that are full of pride, are often the ones that are doing all the speaking? There is something about humility that says, I don't know all the answers. There's something about humility that indicates, I need help. I have questions and I need somebody else to do the speaking here. Humility makes way for the fact that God needs to move in your life. And if you are proud, you believe that you don't have sin in your life. You believe that you don't need the cross. You believe that you don't need what Jesus has done for you. But we know as Christians that God says that sin breaks the relationship that we have with God. And that it is only by humility that we can enter into relationship with him to allow for him to do what only he can do. And so it is through humility that we can enter into that grace relationship. Eli lost the relationship that he had with God because he wasn't humble enough to enjoy it. And we see that relationship then become apparent through the life of Samuel as he becomes a co-laborer with God. It is through being humble. Scripture says this in James, that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That is the second one, be humble. The third one, the, the third one, hear me okay? Can you guys hear me? The, the, sorry, you can turn that down. The third point that we have is to be quiet. <laughs> to be quiet. Jackie didn't know that was coming. She was, you are so helpful, Jackie. Thank you so much. What a sweetheart. To be quiet. I should have warned you about that, I'm sorry. You are so helpful. That is the third one, to be quiet. I'm not just talking about you yourself, to be quiet, to hear God's voice. I'm talking about getting yourself into a place of quiet. Because how many know that when there is noise that is going on around you, you can't hear things as clearly as you need to hear them. 
You couldn't hear my voice when there was music going on, right? We need to get ourselves into a place of quiet. And now some music does a great job at setting the atmosphere. Some music, praise and worship music, soaking music, is good and complimentary for hearing the voice of God, for setting the atmosphere and the environment for us to be able to hear from Him. But when there is noise, it is like a clanging cymbal that distracts us from what God is doing and what God is trying to say. And I don't know if it is simply the fact that I'm getting old, but now when I am driving in my car, I know there are some older people than me sitting over here, but now when I am driving in my car and I'm getting close to the destination that I am trying to get to, you know, I might have had my maps up for the last hour of driving, I've been listening to music for the last hour, but now that I'm getting close to my destination, now that I'm looking for the specific landmark, I'm looking for the exact address, the house or the building or whatever it is, all of a sudden the music that I have been listening to is too loud. Now that my focus is going up, I realize that the noise needs to go down. And so what do I do? I reach down and I turn the music down so that I can begin to focus my attention on where I'm trying to get to. The third one is to be quiet. The fourth one is to be regular. How many know that if you were to go to the gym three times a year, it would not help you out at all? Matter of fact, it would probably actually hurt you. You would probably end up pulling a muscle. You would probably hurt yourself on the treadmill if you tried to run after not running for months beforehand. That when we work out, we need to be regular. That muscles must be worked out regularly. That our faith is like a muscle. That we must work it out regularly. That we must regularly be entering the presence of God. And I wanna encourage you in this. Don't hear this message today and tomorrow decide that you're going to go and spend three hours in prayer because you will probably, just realistically, you will probably get frustrated, you will probably fall asleep, you will probably not have the dedication and the ability, the stamina that has been established over time to be able to keep yourself in the presence of God in that way. I wanna encourage you, start small. Start with five minutes, work your way up to 10 minutes. Keep growing in that, keep strengthening that because it's like a muscle that will grow over time, but be regular in that so that we can see increase in the fruits that come from that over time. That's number four. And the fifth one is to be ready. Before being expectant, that was the first one, be expectant was about sitting down here and this was to do with your mental state. This was to do with your spiritual sense of being expectant. When I say be ready, I'm talking about your physical environment. I'm talking about physically have something around you so that you can record it down when God does speak. The expectancy places the demand for God to speak but you need to be able to record what it is that God has said. Honor the fact that God is speaking, whether it is that you've got a pen and paper that you're gonna write something down. If you've got it laying by your bed, that's awesome. I have my phone with me regularly, and so I just record. If I hear God say something, if I hear something profound, I'm just gonna record on my phone, this is what I heard God say, and so that I can always make sure that I am recording it for posterity, that I can go back and listen to it at a later date because I would hate for the fact that I hear for God to speak and then I enter into my house and then I've got three little kids that are moving around and I get distracted with them and then the next day I'm like, oh shoot, what was it that God said? 
right? Honor the fact that God has spoken by recording it down. That's the, that's the whole reason that we have a Bible, because people honored the fact that God was speaking. They honored it enough to write it down so that we could learn from everything that God was saying back then. Write it down. That's the fifth one, be ready. Because God does speak. How many believe that God does speak? Every hand should be up in the room. Everybody that's joining on the line, online should be saying, God does speak, and God can and does speak to us. God has spoken through the Bible. God has spoken through creation. These are things that are called general revelation that are true and available for everybody. And that God also does speak through specific revelation to us. He does this sometimes by conversations that we were in. He does this sometimes by revealing things specifically to us. It might be through an object. It might be through a conversation. It might be through an interaction with someone. It might be just through seeing something or thinking something. But God does speak specifically to us. God does speak sometimes audibly in the way that you can hear my voice right now, but this is pretty rare. God more often than not speaks through the Holy Spirit as a gentle nudge just a prompting sometimes that is on the inside of you, that when you listen to it and you respond to it more often, then God's voice becomes louder in your life. But it starts as a gentle nudge of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Kings, it says this in chapter 19. This is God speaking to Elijah, starting in verse 11. It says, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire came what? A gentle whisper. God was not in the loud earthquake. God was not in the fire. God was in the gentle whisper. God is often in the gentle, quiet prompting, the nudging of the Holy Spirit when he speaks into our life. God can speak audibly, but more often than not, God nudges us in the direction that he would have us move. Sometimes when I'm in conversation with somebody, I will hear myself say something profound for the very first time. I've never heard it before. I've never thought it before. I've never read it written down, but I'll say something for the very first time and it's profound and I think that is God that is speaking to me and through me in this conversation right now. And I'll always go back and check and make sure that it lines up with scripture. And when it does, I know that that is the Holy Spirit that has been walking and speaking through me. The important thing to remember is that when God speaks, we always should respond. Always respond. Now, response sometimes looks like action. Sometimes it looks like inaction. When God was speaking to Samuel initially, Samuel heard the voice of God, Samuel, Samuel, and he started running, yes, Eli, what is it that you have for me? And Eli said, it wasn't me that was speaking, go back and lay down. And Samuel would go back and lay down, and as he was laying down, he heard the voice of God saying, Samuel, Samuel, and he ran to Eli again, and Eli said, it wasn't me, go back and lay down. And every time that he went and lay down, he heard the voice of God. And when he heard the voice of God, he jumped into action. What he should have done was stayed right where he was. 
And if he had stayed right where he was, he would have continued to hear the voice of God that was speaking a message directly to him. Sometimes action is what the response is that needs to be required. Sometimes action is required, but sometimes action is not required. One of my favorite scriptures is in Exodus. It is the story of when Moses has just led the Israelites out of Egypt and he has led them to the Red Sea. The Red Sea is in front of all of the Israelites. And then they turn around and they see Pharaoh's army that is tracing after them, that is chasing them down. And Moses in chapter 14 says, it's all good everybody, there's no problem here because I believe that while there is the Red Sea that is in front of us and while Pharaoh's army is behind us, all we need to do is stand still and God will fight for us. And then the very next verse, God says in verse 15, why are you crying out to me? Pick up everything and move forward. Sometimes standing still is the right response. Sometimes doing something is the right response, but it depends on the environment that we're in. It depends on where we're at. It depends on the, what it is that God has spoken. Sometimes action is required. Sometimes the response is to not do something as well. If you cast your minds back a few months ago, you'll remember when our services were online only, you'll remember when everything was in quarantine, when we were working from home, when we were eating at home, when we were at church at home, all of these kinds of things, right? This is just a, a few months ago. And during this time, church leaders around the world are starting to have conversations about how can we make sure that we are still reaching and engaging with people with the message of the gospel. And people are talking about how we can take our services online, about how we can reach people in a, in a deeper way. And then eventually the conversation moved from how do we just reach people online to how do we get people back into our in-person services as well. And there was so many conversations and so many websites and everything that was created for church leaders to get together into community and to find out about how we can create a safe place for people to come back and worship together in person in our buildings. And so these were conversations that were taking place all around. And we were talking about things like maybe we should make sure that hand sanitizer is available. Maybe, maybe we should make sure that masks are available. Maybe we should make sure that chairs are spread out so that people have a little bit extra room and people can socially be distant. And these were all different conversations that were taking place. Many people decided that the right response was to make sure that pre-registration was taking place before people entered into the building to make sure that we knew how many people were going to be coming to a service. And this is a long way of saying this, but when we looked at the data, we realized that that was not necessary. As a church, we have staff values that are, that we are spirit-led, that we are Bible-based, and that we are data-informed. Those three things, that we are spirit-led, that we are Bible-based, and that we are data-informed. And so we make every decision that we make through that filter. It needs to line up with those three things. Are we being spirit-led? Is this decision Bible-based? And are we being data-informed? And so when we started praying about should we have pre-registration before people come into the building, we thought, well, we don't know. A lot of churches are doing it. We don't know if we should do it or not. 
And when we looked at the Bible, there wasn't really any clear scripture about how we should open our doors after a global viral pandemic about if we should be requiring this. But when we started looking at the data, what we realized was that a lot of the churches that opened before us were opening with about 10 or 15% of their pre-COVID attendance. And what we realized was this isn't just one or two churches. These are churches that are all around the world. These are churches that were opening if they had a thousand people coming to services beforehand. What we realized is that they were opening with 100 people after they opened their doors. And these were all the churches that we were looking at. And so what we realized was it wasn't necessary for us to have pre-registration where people had to register to come to services. We could just open our doors and ensure because we knew that we would probably have 20 to 25% of our church come into the building. And that's why we never required pre-registration to enter into the building. That's a long way of saying sometimes making decisions requires action. But when we were being spirit-led, when we were Bible-based, and when we were daughter informed, we realized that we didn't need to take action to require pre-registration. Hearing from God is something that is a remarkable thing. The fact that God has not just created us, but that God still speaks to us. The fact that God is ready and able and desiring to have relationship with us is a powerful thing is an incredible thing that God doesn't just create us and put us off to the side, but that God creates us and keeps us right in His attention, right underneath His attention, that He is always holding us in His hands, always wanting, desperate to be in relationship with us. That is a profoundly special thing. And sometimes it is difficult to hear the voice of God. You might be here today, you might be hearing my voice today, believing that you have prayed in the past to hear God's voice, but maybe you haven't been able to enjoy His presence. Maybe you haven't heard His voice speaking clearly. Maybe you heard last week that we were gonna be talking about prayer and you started praying bold, audacious prayers that you would hear God's voice. And so you've been praying this all this entire week and nothing. Not a peep, you haven't heard God's voice in any different way than the week before or the week before that. And so you're sitting here today wondering if God will speak, wondering if God is still able to speak, wondering if God speaks to anybody like you. And I wanna tell you that He can and He does. And there is scripture that I wanna point this out. It says this in 1 Samuel. We already read this, but I wanna go back to it right now. It says this in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse three. It says, and the lamp of God had not yet run out. And the lamp of God had not yet run out. Mosaic law required that inside the tabernacle that the lamps of God were always lit over the evening that they were lit in the evening and that they were extinguished in the morning. And that this lamp, these lamps were not just lit, not just filled with any kind of oil, but this was to be pure oil. Pure oil from pure olives where the process, the crushing was pure, where the storage of this oil was pure. 
And so Samuel, as he slept inside the tabernacle, fully surrounded by the presence of God, would have said that part of what I am responsible for is to ensure that the lamp of God is never extinguished, that the lamp of God does not go out on my watch. When he was a young boy in the dark times, in the dark season when God was not speaking, even overnight, it is literally the darkest of the dark, and Samuel hadn't heard God speak, but he still said to himself, I am gonna do whatever it is that is on the inside of me to make sure that I can hear God's voice. I know that I haven't heard God's voice yet, but I will do whatever it takes, whatever the authority that is on the inside of me to make sure that these lamps are always filled, to make sure that everything is always clean, to make sure that I am placing the demand on God that He would speak to me, that He would honor me with His voice. And I believe it is because of that demand that Samuel placed that he eventually heard God's voice. And I heard this as I was preparing this message and praying for you and over you this week. I heard this very clearly, that the preparation of your last season would not be lost on this season, that the lamp of God would not run out on you you read your Bible, you showed up to church, you prayed your prayers, you sowed generously, you did everything that you knew how to do. And I heard God say this, that your preparation in the last season would not be wasted on this season. You might find yourself still surrounded by darkness and for what you did all of these things correct, but I believe that the lamp of God will not go out on you. The lamp of God is symbolic. It is representative of the presence of God and it will not go out on you. The presence of God will not go out on you. I believe that God can and will speak to you. I believe that there is still victory in your life because the lamp of God is still burning. I believe that there is victory in your life because the lamp of God is still burning. And this has become my prayer, that God would honor the crushing of the last season, that God would honor the crushing of this season, believing that the oil that is produced in this season would bring the fruit that is being used to, to burn in the temple being used to burn in the tabernacle, that God, His presence would be manifest. And I believe this wholeheartedly, that the more that we pursue God, the more that we pray, the more that God will honor us with His presence. And if I were you, I would take 10 seconds right there to put your hands together and to thank God for the fact that He is still victorious. We are believing that that word will bring strength and hope into your life. Absolutely. If God just spoke to you through this message and you're stirred right now to partner with us and to sow financially into the ministry that is Cornerstone Church, I want to encourage you to jump on over to our website, which is simply cornerstone.church and click the Give button. Find the avenue that is most convenient for you today. That's right. We are going to continue spreading the message of the gospel and we look forward to continuing to connect together.